Thanksgiving is awesome. I love Thanksgiving. Do you? Yeah. How many people are thankful for what God has done in their lives? Yeah? For where you live. How many people are thankful for where you live? For the people that he has put in your lives. Come on. The people that he's put in your lives. For the fact that he's brought you out of darkness and into his light. How many people are thankful for that? For his salvation, for his redemption, for his sanctification. How many people are happy for sanctification? You don't hear a lot of people thanking God for that. How many people are thankful for sanctification that we can be brought more and more into his image? Yes. Hallelujah. Yeah, there's a lot to be thankful for there, isn't there? What are you thankful for? Someone shout out what they're thankful for this morning. Being alive. You can still take breath. You can still take nourishment. Hallelujah. Anything else? What is anyone else thankful for? Family. Absolutely. Anything else? Salvation. Community. All amazing things to be thankful for. Hallelujah. Right. Yes, absolutely. Keep our eyes on spiritual things. That's right. Absolutely. Do you, thankful for Jesus. Absolutely. Okay, stop being thankful. I have to preach here, guys. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, you want to know what the, one of the best things about thankfulness is, though? Is that thankfulness is actually a choice that we make. It's a choice. And what that means is that the more you choose it, the easier it gets to be thankful as well, too. The more you express gratitude, the more you notice things to be grateful for. Amen? I bet you even the fact that I asked what you were thankful, that made the gears start turning your head. Well, what am I thankful for this morning? It's because the more you do it, the better you get at it. The easier it is to see the things that you're thankful for. So let me be a coach for a second and tell you that the more you exercise your thankfulness muscles, the easier it becomes to see the blessings you have. Right? The easier it is to see what God has done for you. Thankfulness doesn't come naturally. It really doesn't. How do I know that? Well, if you have kids, you will know that fact. Thankfulness is that you're always telling your kids, say thank you. You're at a restaurant, say thank you to the lady for bringing you a drink. Say thank you, please thank you. We're always telling our children to be thankful. We have to remind them because it does not come naturally to us. It's a muscle that you have to exercise. So I titled this message, Thanks a Lot, uh, because, you know, a lot can be, uh, thanks a lot can be taken two ways. First way is a genuine Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for what you've done for me. Thank you. It's a genuine thank you for something that someone has said or, or done for you. And another one that I say probably a lot more often, I'm sure you do, is, yeah, thanks a lot, buddy. Right? When you receive something you don't want and you reply with some sarcasm, right? Thanks a lot. Right? So let me ask you this. Why is it that is so much easier for us to identify what we don't like about our lives than it is to identify with what we are blessed with. Right? Why is that? Probably because life is hard. No one can really deny that. Even Jesus said in John 16, in this world you will face tribulation. You will face hardship. You will face trouble. Right? We say that a lot of Christians to try and justify how, why we're so miserable. <laughs> right? But we forget what Jesus said after that very statement. What did he say right after that? But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. I have overcome the world. Why should we be of good cheer? Is Jesus just asking us to put on a happy face? Is that what he's doing? Is he telling us to, to bury down all those negative feelings and to just put on a fake smile? Is that what he's asking us to do? 
Thanks, God. Thank you, God. Thanks a lot. Is that what he's asking us to do? No, he's not. More than anything, God wants us to be genuine. He wants to hear our doubts. He wants to hear our fears. He does want that. He wants to hear our questions. He absolutely wants that too. He, he wants that stuff. But you want to know what he wants more than all of that? He wants to hear our praise. He wants to hear our praise. He desires our praise. He seeks those who will worship him in what? In spirit and in spirit and in truth. Thanks a lot, God. Thank you for your amazing grace that can save a wretch like me. Hallelujah. Thank you. And here's the thing. When you, when you practice gratitude, when you find something that you can be thankful for and worship him in thanksgiving, you're going to notice that gratitude has the distinct ability to actually change your actions. Because when the peace of Christ rules in our hearts, thankfulness actually overflows out of you, even in the darkest of times. Right? We can praise God for his love. We can praise God for his sovereignty. We can praise God for his promise to hear us when we call. Those are things to be thankful for. Amen? We should be saying thanks a lot, a lot of the time. Shouldn't we? Should be our joy to express gratitude because joy is a very important result of our salvation. Did you know that? Joy is a result of our salvation. It should be coming out of us continually. Right? Joy is a very important result of our salvation because the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. Did you know this? I found this out this week. This is interesting. Did you know that the word joy actually occurs 181 times in the Bible? 181 times. In fact, you could say that the theme of Thanksgiving is actually woven throughout the entire Scripture. It really is. The entire fabric of Scripture. You know, yes, in life there's hardship, but the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy. The joy. (laughs) The joy. Come on, the joy. Joy, I got to see you guys smiling today because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? So the verse that came to me for Thanksgiving this year uh, covers just this. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And it's, uh, it's a simple enough verse when you read it, but when you understand the context of it, when, when Paul wrote it, you can unpack so much truth around it. Don't you love that? But there's the word within the word. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18 is up here on the screen. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Is that an important call to take? Yeah. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your word, Lord. So what does it mean to rejoice always? Is it even possible to rejoice always? Is that even possible? I don't hear a lot of, yes, he's asking us to do it. It's got to be, it's got to be somewhat possible, right? Right? Well, here's the thing about life. Life is hard. It always has been, always will be. Life is a difficult thing to go through. And the Christians in Thessalonica, you know, which is actually in northern Greece, uh, had little reason to rejoice. That's why Paul was saying this to them. Why did they have little to rejoice on? Because they'd only been saved probably for a couple of months. They hadn't been saved that long. And they quickly realized that following Jesus brought them persecution, it brought rejection, uh, it brought tension with the people in their community, and by human standards, there was actually nothing to bring joy to them in their situation. In fact, they were really hoping that Jesus was coming back again really soon so that this whole humanity thing could come to an end. That's what they were hoping, right? And that's where they were at. 
And even though we are not under persecution right now anyways, uh, life has a way of knocking you down. It does. Life has a way of knocking you down. And then you know what? It knocks you down when you're already down again. Continually. It does that. One minute you're standing strong and the next minute the entire foundation of your life is shaking. That can happen in life. Why does your foundation shake? Well, we talked about this before. Our foundation shakes because we place our hope in the wrong foundations. Quite often, we place our hope in, in finances. We place our hope in jobs. We place our hope in family. We place our hope in government. We place our hope in, he- our hope in health, uh, in our career goals. Uh, and let's be honest, those are actually not bad things to pursue. They really are not. But they make terrible foundations. And you know what they make, they're really even worse at? At being God's. They are terrible things to believe in. And when we come to realization that we've been worshiping created things instead of the creator, you know, frustration settles in. What happens when frustration settles in? Well, you're going to start complaining. You're going to start worrying. You're going to start comparing yourself to others. And you're going to start being ungrateful when you have the wrong foundation. And here's the almost, it's actually almost comical uh, thing about having that wrong focus. A foundation built on the things of this world is actually going to lead to a frustration with the things of the world as well, too. So even if you have that foundation on those things, you're going to start to not like those things. I can give you a good example of it. When your job becomes your all-consuming focus, you actually probably start to hate your job. It's a funny thing, isn't it? If you have the wrong foundation, you're going to start not liking that foundation that you're actually building your life on. It's a very, very funny thing. Only a foundation in Jesus Christ will stand through every phase and season in your life. That's it. That is the only foundation that will not crumble. Jesus is unchanging and unwavering. He is strong enough for you to build your life on. I've seen it proven. I know it's true. Do you know it's true? Absolutely. Test it. Find out for yourself. It's true. So Paul's instructions are to rejoice always, pray constantly, Give thanks in everything. I love that. It's like three short, like staccato commands all at once. Why were these Christians joyful and, and what could they rejoice in? Well, they learned from Paul that rejoicing had nothing to do with their, their outward circumstances, but had everything to do with their inward hope. That's what it had to do with. Their inward hope wasn't fixed on created things, but was fixed on Jesus, the creator of their lives. This allowed them to rejoice even while experiencing persecution. So life is good, not because of good things happening, but because of our eternal hope, because God showed up in the form of Jesus on this very difficult world that we live in. And he actually gave us a reason to rejoice always. I find it funny that uh, it's one of the funny things in the church, too, that uh, people that are so spiritual, that you think are so spiritual, often uh, think that it's their duty to be gloomy all the time. Right? Deeply spiritual Christians, you know, they're, they're afraid to rejoice almost. Why is that? We need to rejoice always. That is a result of our salvation, amen? Complain always, and again, I say complain. Is that right? No. No, it's not that. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again. Not just once, again. I say rejoice. Hallelujah. Are you guys happy or what? Come on. Here we go. Pray without ceasing. I always thought this was a a typo in the Bible when I was young because it sounds impossible. Right? 
Sounds impossible. He doesn't think, how can it be done in today's day and age? I can't even text and drive, let alone pray all the time. All right? Can't do that. Who could be expected to keep their mind on God at all times? Surely God can't expect this of us because he knows more than he knows more than anyone how flawed we are, how short our attention spans are, right? Do you, did you know the average university student has an attention span of 15 minutes? That's it? 15 minutes. But unfortunately, the only issue with this is that there's no footnote in Thessalonians that says, you know, pray without ceasing and then in brackets, you know, unless you're very busy. It doesn't say that. There's no footnote there that says that, right? Do you want to hear a, a really simple explanation of this that I read that I thought was actually really good? Think of it this way. Praying without ceasing is like keeping the radio playing in the background while you're working. I like that. I like that. You're keeping a connection open to God to talk to him as you go through your day. And that seems a lot more attainable uh, than needing to always sit down and have a very deep conversation with God. Don't get me wrong. You have to have deep conversations with God too. That's very important. But having continual prayer in our lives serves so many important purposes. What does it do? Prayer is, is confession for when we make mistakes. It's thanksgiving for what we're thankful for. Prayer is intercession when we want to see things change in our lives, right? But the best part of prayer, which I believe this verse is leading us to, is, the, is that a life of prayer leads us to see God. It actually leads us to, to see him, to recognize him in all of our circumstances, the good and the bad ones, right? A life of prayer lets us acknowledge him, acknowledge that he is present with us all the time. And when we realize God's presence, it becomes very difficult, in fact, nearly impossible for us to act outside of God's will for us. I don't know about you, but I find that, like, super comforting, knowing that he's always there with us. And he is not aside from us. He's not separate. He's not at arm's length. He is there with us in all circumstances. Amen? Yeah. Give thanks in all circumstances. Oh, man, that's a hard one, isn't it? Give thanks in all circumstances. Thankfulness is a, it's a complicated state of being. It really is. You know, we have Thanksgiving once a year to try and put thankfulness back into our, our frame of mind, right? Why is it complicated? Because when life is good and someone is getting what they want, well, that's easy. I can be thankful then, right? That's, that's not hard to do. But when nothing goes right, it's hard to have a, a spirit of gratitude. In fact, for many of us, you know, for many people, difficult times or circumstances are the easiest excuse to be ungrateful. Have you noticed that? Like, if you're, if you're going through something tough, then basically you want to express your ungratitude for something. That is a lot easier to do than expressing gratitude when you're going through something difficult. And, you know, I'm not a researcher. I, I can't throw numbers out or anything like that for this, but I would imagine that everyone, com everyone complains a lot more than they give thanks. I guess that's probably 50 to 1 or something like that, that people complain a lot more than they're willing to give thanks. Is that your experience? I've, I think I've noticed that quite a bit. I think it's, it's quite a big difference. And I'm pretty sure that's why the Bible has a lot to say about being thankful. Because it goes against our, our natural instincts. It goes completely against it. The last command says to give thanks, not for some things, but give thanks for all things. Give thanks for all things. And this verse says, in everything, give thanks. We don't give thanks for everything, but in everything, we give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Why? Because we know that in all circumstance, we recognize God's sovereign hand is in charge. 
That's why. It's not in our hands. We aren't in charge. We barely know how to survive when the power goes out. Right? It's not, it's not in our hands. But in God's sovereign hand, everything, everything is in control. Even in the circumstance you're going through, his hand, his sovereign hand is in control. I actually love um, the story of Daniel as an application to this. Uh, he had incredible communion God, and uh, he had it with God when it was incredibly needed as well, too. Right? In the book of Daniel, the decree was passed that no one could pray except to the king. Right? That was the decree. That was put out. And if someone was caught praying to someone other than the king, they would be put to death. Right? So what does Daniel do? Daniel 6.10, it says this. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house, and it says that now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. So he wasn't hiding in his prayer closet. He had the windows wide open in front of everybody facing Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. Imagine that circumstance. Daniel, not, not being in Jerusalem, not being in his land, being, looking at Jerusalem, the direction of Jerusalem, knowing that if he kneeled down to pray even once, if he even looked like he was praying, he could be put to death. And what does he do? I don't care, I'm still going to do it. God's sovereign hand is in control. I'm going to pray. And he, what did he do? He did it three times, not just once. He doesn't test the water. He kept doing what he was doing three times a day, even in the face of death. He didn't bow the knee to a false god. He didn't, he didn't bow the knee to a shaky foundation. He did not stop praying. And even in really bad circumstance, he kept giving thanks. Why do you think he did this? Because prayer with thanksgiving is God's way for us to free us from our circumstances. It actually frees us. To free us from our anxiety. To free us so that we can, we can face our troubles with the peace of God. And what is the peace of God? The peace of God is a peace that surpasses all understanding. It doesn't even make sense. How could you be praising God? How could you have peace in this situation? Well, because my peace relies on somebody else. It relies in Jesus. Peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that will make people say, this person is crazy. How are they so peaceful given the circumstances they're going through? Well, you can tell them why. And then bring them to Alpha. Right? Let me summarize these three commandments uh, with a quote Charles Spurgeon said, and it's, and it's this. Uh, when joy and prayer are married, the firstborn child is gratitude. Isn't that nice? When joy and prayer are married, the firstborn child is gratitude. I love that. This is a formula for success. This is a formula for peace. This is a guide to find the, the will of God in your life. All in this little verse here. Written to a small place in Greece. And now we can take it and find the will of God for our lives. How about that? Isn't that amazing? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Man, ever wonder what God's will is for your life? Here it is. <laughs> it's right there. There's no time for confusion. We don't have to pray for hours about it. It's right there. How about that? His will for us is that we rejoice, that we pray, and that we give thanks, and we do this all the time. All the time. Not just, you know, a one week in, in October. All the time. Not just when we have family over in a turkey, but we do it all the time. Amen? Our whole life should be a life of prayer. We should walk in constant communion with God. There should be a constant 
upward stance of our soul to God, just like Daniel did, regardless of our circumstance, regardless of what's going on around us. There's a lot going on around, around us right now, right? There's a lot. But what, we, what can we do? We can change our stance towards God and keep our stance focused on him. Give thanks, rejoice, prayer continually. What I love about this verse also is that it's speaking to spiritual disciplines as well too, which are, again, things that we choose to do. We choose the spiritual disciplines that not only have a benefit for us on this world, but they are of eternal value. Every spiritual discipline is not just for our good here. It's of eternal value. It keeps our mind focused on eternal things. And the things that have eternal value are also things that are God's will for us as well. That's why it says that here. And again, if we look at the life of Daniel, we see a, a, he lived a life that combined discipline. He kneeled, prayed, and gave thanks three times a day, which gave him spontaneous encounters with God. That was the result of it, which in turn led him to have success and favor as well too. Not only that, he had peace even in the face of death. Even in the face of death, he had peace. And the same is true for us. If we rejoice always, if we pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances, we will enjoy continual communion with God as well. Let that sit in for a second. We can have peace always when we focus, when we change our stance to God. So I guess my my question for you today is this. What have you placed your hope in? What have you placed your hope in? What can you give God thanks for today? What can you give him thanks for? What do you need to rejoice about? We always have something we can rejoice about. Always. There's always something we can rejoice about. You just have to Stretch yourself sometimes to find it, but when you find it, you'll see that God's presence is with you always in every circumstance. Amen? I'm going to call the worship team up. We're just going to give a prayer of thanksgiving. I love that new song this morning. Hell just lost another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take that stance, we'll realize how important it is that we keep our mind focused on God and that we, we try to give what we have to somebody else as well too. I want to see hell lose another person every second of the day. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's just bow our heads and let's just pray this prayer of thanksgiving this morning. I want God to change our mindset. Amen? Holy Father, I come to you in all humility to thank you for the many blessings that you have given us, your children. You have blessed us beyond belief. You really have. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for providing exactly what we need when we need it, according to your wisdom and not, not ours. Most importantly, thank you, for, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our sins. And thank you for his resurrection as well from the dead. Help us to remember everything you have done and continue to do for us. Holy Spirit, please remind us continually of God's mercies. And we ask that you increase the fruit of gratitude in us as well. Oh, there are so many difficulties in the world. We face trials, we face temptations, we face disease, we face war, uncertainty, and and all matter of evil in this world. And in our human weakness, a lot of the time, we, we struggle to be grateful. But Lord, give us the power. 
the heart and the attitude to be thankful in all things, not just some things, all things. Even in the darkest of times, you, you love us. You are always with us, and you have saved us from our sins. And for that, we are truly, we are truly grateful. Help us to live out these commands so that we can accomplish your will in us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I can encourage you now this morning. We're going to sing one last song. I just want you to give thanks to the Lord for something in your life. Start stretching those muscles. Start giving him thanks for the things in your life. And let's see what he does. Let's see what else he blesses you with. Let's, let's see what he reveals to you in his presence. Amen. Amen. Sandra and I have a lot to be thankful for, but this fits in with the message today. I didn't want to tell the story, but I will now because it's relevant. Last Sunday after church, Sandra and I were walking our two small dogs close to home. A bulldog got loose from his home and charged at us, knocked me down. I just uh, have scrapes and bruises on my knees and my fingers hurt, but the bulldog clamped on a little Shih Tzu's shoulder, very close to the throat, would not let go. I grabbed the bulldog by the collar and kept strangling until she released. She was three times the size and weight of our little 13-year-old Shih Tzu that also has age-related health issues. The end result is I'm okay. Our little Shih Tzu who is limping the first day has fully recovered. There's a circumstance that could have been very tragic, yeah. but we're thankful yeah. that everything worked out fine. Yeah. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's looking after us all the time in everything, even things that are beyond our control, because basically nothing's in our control. Things like that can happen all the time. But he is, his sovereign hand is in control all the time. Amen. Let's just give him thanks this morning as we praise his name. Amen. Yeah.